Well, good morning, uh, everyone. Uh, good to be with you today in, in this position. Uh, I, uh, uh, I'm just glad to have this opportunity to speak from Romans chapter 5. Um, if you've been with us, you know that uh, last Sunday, Pastor West completed this rather long sermon series in uh, the book of Exodus uh, from the Old Testament. And, and uh, uh, it was a wonderful study, but a long study. Uh, and we want you to know, you probably, some of you probably already heard this, we're going to the Gospel of Mark next. So in two weeks, uh, Pastor West will begin uh, a sermon series uh, through the Gospel of Mark. We, we here at Cross Point are uh, dedicated to expositional preaching, three, preaching all the way through uh, books of the Bible. And so uh, we want to study the whole counsel of God, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, it's all the inspired Word of God to us. And so uh, we encourage you uh, to begin reading in Mark. Read, read the first couple of chapters. Pastor West took this past week to uh, begin outlining the first couple of sermons he wants to, to bring and what God would have uh, him to bring to us uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, if I, uh, by Tuesday night at our elders meeting, he said he had two outlines. So I'm assuming now I may have three or four. So uh, pray, praise God for that. He's serving in extended session uh, this morning. And so I'm filling in this morning. And uh, Pastor uh, Chance will be filling in uh, next Sunday because the, the uh, McKays will be on vacation from this Tuesday for, for about a week. So uh, that's, that's what's uh, going on today and, and next Sunday. Um, I want to thank Chance for this, the music selection this morning. We, it really was singing what we are about to talk about uh, from Romans uh, chapter 5. So let me, let me set the stage a little bit for this. Back in the spring, um, I was scheduled to speak, uh, as were several of us, to the Disciple Now weekend. And Adam, uh, who's back in the booth to, to, today, uh, Adam did an excellent job lining things up, having things planned out, having the scripture passages planned out that he wanted the youth to hear. The theme for the weekend was inexpressible joy. And there were four passages that were uh, to hone in on that. And so uh, that's why I agreed to preach this morning. I kind of had that already ready. And I've uh, uh, changed it around a little bit to fit this morning uh, from the youth. But uh, this is a great passage of Scripture, and I look forward to sharing it with you. So we want to think about uh, the theme of inexpressible joy. And, and before I get to uh, strictly the Scripture... I want to ask a couple of questions of you this morning. First of all, uh, where does joy, even inexpressible joy, come from for the Christian? Ha have you thought about that? Is it something we just work up ourselves? Well, actually, in God's Word, it tells us. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, we read that. In fact, joy is the second uh, one listed. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth. I'm scared I won't get the other three right. But, but uh, love, uh, love and joy are the first two of the fruit of the Spirit uh, listed in Galatians 5. And also, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15 to abide in his love so that their joy would be complete. So we see that joy is 
from the Holy Spirit through abiding in Christ. Joy comes from God. My second question to you this morning is, if you had to tell somebody what joy is, would you know what to tell them? What, what is joy? How would we define or describe it? And as, and as I was studying this topic uh, several months ago now and, and, and re reviewing it recently, I determined that joy is probably this. Joy is probably, or seems to be, that settled assurance that comes from being in a right relationship with God. A settled assurance in, in, in our spirits of being in that right relationship. Another writer said, it's a never-ending gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So joy is not based on who we are, where we live, how much money we make, what our status is uh, in, in, in life, how much stuff we have. It's not really based on any circumstances uh, in, in our life. Joy comes from knowing that God loves us, loved us enough to rescue us from our lostness and restore us to a right relationship with Him. And this morning, uh, I want to talk through the first five verses of Romans chapter 5 because I think they'll better, help us better understand the joy of salvation and how that can lead to joy even in tribulation, even in suffering. That's what these verses talk about, those two things. And that's how I've titled the, uh, the, the uh, sermon for this morning. If you, if you uh, haven't gotten a set of notes on the back of the announcement page, there's a set of notes every week for the sermon, uh, and, and they're back there. Uh, you can avail yourselves of that if you like. Would you stand there now, though, for in honor of the reading from God's holy word? Uh, again, this is Romans 5 in the first five verses. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also have obtained, we, sorry, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you pray with me? Father God, would you open our eyes, our ears, uh, would you anoint my words, would you anoint the ears of, uh, of all of us, Father, as we uh, consider these wonderful words of yours about justification and the benefits uh, of that for the Christian this morning. Help us, we pray. Give us clarity and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, the main point for today uh, is, is, the, is the following. The main point for the, of this passage, I think, is the following. Peace with God, the grace of God, and the hope of glory that comes to the Christian through justification by faith results in inexpressible joy, and it facilitates joyful endurance of, it, of tribulation and our suffering and proven character. So I'd like for us to consider these five verses in two parts, one and two, three through five, uh, this morning. So we'll first talk about the joy of salvation. And to do that, I've, I've got to 
preface this a little bit. So it's going to take me a few minutes to actually get to verse 1. Because Paul begins this. The Apostle Paul, of course, is writing this to the Romans, uh, Christians in Rome. And he begins here in chapter 5 with the word, therefore. Now, anytime in Scripture you see the word, therefore, you've got to know or ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? Every time. Because what the writer is doing is saying, what I'm about to tell you is based on what I've already told you. And so we need to back up a little bit and see and about what Paul has already said in chapters uh, 1 through 5. This short passage I found, uh, many scholars think or call a bridge. It's a bridge between chapters 1 through 4, which they call the what of Romans, and, the, and chapters 5 through 8, which they call the now what. The what and the now what. So let's talk about the what. Uh, Paul follows up the word therefore with, since we have been justified by faith. So a Christian is someone who's been justified by faith, and Paul has spent four chapters talking about this. He spent four chapters talking about how all human beings lack righteousness. And we lack that because of our sin. And because of our sin and our lack of righteousness, we need to be justified. Paul has shown that both Jews and Gentiles, so that means everybody, right? That's all of us, you, me, everybody that's ever been born. We are uh, trapped, hopelessly trapped in sin. We're guilty before God. We deserve God's just punishment. Uh, do you remember what Romans 3.23 tells us? I, I think we've, we've almost sung it earlier. Uh, most of us probably memorize this as a, as a child if we grew up in church. Uh, but it's a really important verse because it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we backed up further into chapter 3, we would see Paul saying this in verse 10. There is none righteous, no, not one. None righteous. None of us in our natural state are righteous. We are all sinful. That's our state as sinful human beings. We've got no righteousness uh, of our own before we become Christians. And really, after we become Christians, we don't have much either. We'll get to that. Um, and so we cannot be in a right relationship with God. And worse than that, we deserve the punishment for sin. And I think you'd really... Uh, you'd agree with me, that's pretty bad news, right? But Paul goes on, and he has gone on to talk about, uh, particularly in chapter 3 and on into chapter 4, of the good news that God has for us. We can receive God's righteousness when God justifies us by faith in Jesus Christ, or through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, we might ask, well, well how does that happen? What makes anyone a child of God? Let's, let's talk through that briefly. Uh, first, and, and this is the gospel basically, first we, we must come to, to recognize that God is the creator of all things, that he's holy and just, uh, that each of us has then fallen short of the glory of God, as we've just read in, in uh, Romans 3.23. We've sinned against him. We must further recognize that our sin, and because of our sin, we are doomed to receive God's just punishment for sin. And therefore, we need to be rescued from this dire situation in which we find ourselves. We must then come to understand that God loved us enough to send his only begotten son to die on the cross in our place as our substitute. Jesus took upon himself on the cross the punishment 
for all the pain, sin, and death we deserved. It should have been us, each of us, on the cross. Then he also rose from the dead uh, and, and triumphed over sin and death and hell. So, in recognizing those things, when the Holy Spirit then opens the heart of the sinner, causes them to see this good news, causes them to desire this great treasure that Jesus Christ is, and to repent of their sins, that person's heart then trusts in Christ. And when they do, that's called saving faith. That's what saving faith is. And when that faith and trust happens, justification happens. The person is justified before God and united to Christ so that Jesus' death becomes our death. And Jesus' life becomes our life. We, we sang about, again, we sang about this earlier. Have you, have you heard of what's called the great exchange? Justification brings about the great exchange. And it's a glorious thing. God lays on Jesus our sin. What does God lay on us from Jesus? His righteousness. That's where we get righteousness. From our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we, think we can then stand forgiven before God of our sin and righteous in His sight because we've received the righteousness of Christ. That's what it means to be justified. So let me ask you this morning, does that describe you? Have you been justified by faith in Jesus Christ? Because of our justification, God can declare us righteous in His sight, as we've said. Uh, as He told Moses, oh, sorry, as He told Abraham. Uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted, considered. Uh, he was declared righteous because of His faith. Same with us. Uh, God can now treat us, I like this little simple definition of justification. God can treat us just as if we had never sinned. That's a wonderful thing. We can go from being rebels and enemies to being adopted into God's family, uh, adopted children. And does that not result in inexpressible joy? I think it does. Now, Adam, if you throw up that first slide for me, I've tried to, and I hope this is not lame here, but I've tried to make an illustration of justification. Don't try to read the words. They're not important. What's important is how the two pages uh, are written. You know when you start out typing something on a, on a word processor, the, the left margins are set for you, right? But, but you have the, I mean, I guess you can change the left margin if you want, but on, look on the left side, the right side of that page is what I've always called, I don't know about you, a ragged right. It's a ragged right. But you know what? That computer has the ability to Straighten up like the right side is, uh, the right page is. And what's that called when you do that? It's called justified. Have you ever thought about that? It's a justified sheet of paper. It's fully justified. And so we are like the left side of the page. We have a ragged right. But God can look at us just as if we're straight and square. And everything's just right. That's my attempt to show justification by faith. We're ragged, and yet God sees us as straight. Praise Him, right? And that, that brings me to a little quote I've decided to show. Adam, if you'd put that next one up there. Martin Luther realized this as he studied Romans uh, in, in the 16th century. And he came up with this quote that you may have heard. In Latin, and I don't know whether I can do this correctly. In that Latin, it's simul justus et peccator, which means in English, we are simultaneously justified and yet a sinner. 
Again, praise God for the righteousness of Christ that comes through justification. So, in chapters 1 and 2 of Romans, Paul has demonstrated the universality of sin to everyone. Again, both Jews and Gentiles. That they've fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 3 and 4, Paul has announced God's response to humanity's plight. And that is justification that we've just talked about. So we've kind of we've overviewed chapters 1 through 4 as quickly as we could to get to justification. And he says, uh, Paul goes on to say at the, in the 28th verse of Romans 3, a person uh, that boasting is excluded because, quote, a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Doesn't have anything to do with what we earned or did ourselves. It's through faith in, what, in the work of Christ. But you know, Romans doesn't end at chapter 4. Uh, justification is not the religious equivalent of a fairy tale ending and they lived happily ever after. Uh, no, in chapters 5 through 8, Paul goes on with the now what. He's given the what. We're justified sinners. Now what? And that's, that's the, the theme kind of of, of uh, chapters 5 through 8. And so we want to consider the, this bridge here between uh, chapters 1 through 4 and 5 through 8. Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, uh, let's, we want to talk through these five verses now. Um, notice, first of all, the past tense verb, have been. Since we have been justified by faith. It's a done deal. It's an accomplished fact. Uh, the, the, the Christian is, is under God's uh, grace and goodness. But the non-Christian, that is the unjustified sinner, remains under God's judgment and wrath. Paul then goes on to speak in these first two verses here in chapter 5 about some benefits of justification of uh, the justified sinner receives. And the first benefit you see there in verse 1 is peace with God. He says, um, since we have justified faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why is this peace important? Why, why do we need peace with God? Well, the reason is, as, a just, as an unjustified sinner, Remember, we were an enemy. We were rebellious. We were naturally against God in our natural state. And so we weren't at peace with God, and we needed to, for peace to be made. And Jesus uh, has done that for us. Uh, at the end of verse 1, we see it's through our Lord Jesus Christ that sinners who have been justified, we no longer live in the fear of God's judgment and wrath. A peaceful relationship has been established. And it's not a mere feeling. It's not just a feeling. Again, it's an established fact that God is telling us about. Uh, and again, I would say, does this not bring inexpressible joy that we have peace uh, with God? The second benefit of justification is access by faith into God's grace. Well, what is grace? Let's, let's remind ourselves of what grace is. We, we probably mostly know this. It's receiving what we do not deserve. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve. The unjustified sinner can only face God's condemnation. That's what they deserve. That's what we deserve too before uh, the Holy Spirit changed our lives. They deserve God's punishment. But the justified sinner is enabled to stand in God's gracious favor because we've been transferred from a position of lostness 
to a position of security and confidence. Again, what a joyous place to be in. Why? Because we don't deserve to be there. But, but God has placed us there. Also notice that at the heart of verse 2 stands the agent of this reconciliation that Paul is talking about. Who's the agent? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. Twice Paul tells us it is through Christ that our relationship has been restored. And twice we're told that we benefit from Christ's work on our behalf through faith. Peace with God and the ability to stand in uh, Jesus' saving grace, God's saving grace, comes through trusting in Jesus. And let me ask again, have you done that? Have you trusted in Jesus today? The third benefit of justification is a new perspective on the future. Uh, an unjustified sinner, or as an unjustified sinner, we lived, as I've said before, as God's enemy and under his condemnation. But having been justified, the Christian can now, as the end of verse 2 tells us, rejoice in the hope of glory. Well, what's Paul's, what, what is Paul talking about there? Well, obviously he's talking about the promise that Christians have that one day we will be glorified, perfected. We will be uh, just like Jesus when Jesus returns. We will see him as he is and, and be like him. That will happen as elsewhere in the scripture. It says in, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Uh, so Paul is talking about that here uh, that's as the third benefit. And you know what? It's interesting to me here that the word rejoice in verse 2 and we're about to see that again in verse 3. That word rejoice can also mean boast. It can also be translated boast. Sharing in God's glory is something the Christian can boast about receiving. Just as we might boast about getting to see a concert, getting to go to a, a football game in a famous stadium, getting to go somewhere or seeing something, getting to see the Grand Canyon. You know, we could boast about any number uh, of things. And let me give you an example of that. I, I like to boast about this. Some of you know that uh, last year was uh, my wife Martha's and my 50th wedding anniversary, and we, we took an international trip. We went to Italy, and at the end of that, we flew to Germany because there were some friends that lived up there that kept telling us, if y'all ever get this way, come see us, please. So we said, we'll, we'll come to spend the weekend with you. Well, just before we were leaving Italy, Martha wasn't feeling good. And we got to our uh, friend's house. Uh, they were much younger. They lived with us for a while when they worked for our son, uh, Chris, at Pennington uh, several years ago. And so we had gotten to know them and, and appreciate them. And uh, so we got to their house, and, and uh, Martha wasn't feeling well. And the, and the, uh, the lady uh, said, would you like to take a COVID test? And Martha said, well, maybe I should. Well, she was positive. So that kind of ruined the weekend. We had to, we had to leave you know, we had, we had exposed them to COVID. We had to leave the house. Uh, Thomas, the, the guy of the couple, got us a nice apartment, to, uh, a, a nicely priced apartment. It wasn't, it wasn't anything luxurious uh, to live in for the next 10 days because we couldn't, you, you couldn't get on the airplane without a negative COVID test at that time. And so we had to wait. Well, towards the end of the week, that was, uh, that was on a, uh, Saturday or Sunday or so, and towards the end of the following week, we were both testing negative. I hadn't come down with it. And I had been looking on the map, and I realized that Wittenberg, Germany, the home of Martin Luther, wasn't very far. We were on the outskirts of Berlin. 
And so I called up Thomas. I said, Thomas, would, would you take us to Wittenberg? You know, I, I, I'm enthralled with the, with the Reformation. He said, yeah, I'll take y'all down there. So we, his son and I, Martha and I, we went to, to Wittenberg, and we walked, we walked in the footsteps of Martin Luther. We saw the door that he nailed the 95 Theses. We went in the church where he's buried under the floor of the church. Philip Melanchthon, another one of the reformers, is in that same church, the Castle Church it's called. We, we went to the monastery where he lived in this big home with many other people that he was constantly uh, training, uh, uh, you know, people for the, for the ministry there, he and, he and his wife. That's something I enjoy boasting about. I, I've got to, to walk in the steps of Martin Luther, you know. Look at me. Uh, but you know what? Seeing Jesus Christ face to face is going to be better than anything we could boast about here on earth. And we need to recognize that. It's going to be better than anything we could boast about. And so to have this joy, this level of assurance and confidence that we, as justified Christians, will see Jesus one day face to face, uh, wow. And that's because of justification by faith. Let's move on now to verses 3 through 5. And I want to begin by saying, I'm, I'm, this is back to the word boast. Does it surprise you that at the beginning of verse 3 that we see that Paul's attitude toward present day sufferings is the same as his attitude toward the future, toward the hope of glory? Uh, he says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. He could be saying, we boast in our sufferings. That word can also be boast, uh, as, as I've mentioned. Well, how, how can Paul say that? He can say that because he knows that for the Christian, tribulations that God allows into our life, they have a gracious purpose for us. They have a gracious purpose uh, for us. We might think that trials and tribulations would shake our confidence in the hope of glory. And if we don't react to them correctly, they might do that very thing. But, but Paul says, no, they have this opportunity for the Christian to produce a positive cause and effect step-by-step -step transformation so that we look more like Jesus Christ. And that's why we should rejoice in them. Let's look at this step-by-step -step transformation uh, that are in, uh, contained in verses 3 through 5. Uh, first, he says, we rejoice or we boast in sufferings knowing that they produce endurance. Now, before let's go any further, let me, let me make sure we understand what we're talking about by tribulations here, sufferings here. Um, they are any test of the Christian's faith that may come. Any test of our faith that may come. It could be a health issue. It could be a broken or strained relationship. It could be a problem at school or at work. It could be an accident or a natural disaster. It could be verbal or physical assault. It could even be an everyday inconvenience like clogged traffic. Anything that makes life harder for us and threatens our faith in the goodness and the power and the wisdom of God can be a tribulation to us. It can be a test of our faith. And we should understand that these are normal for the Christian. They're not abnormal. It'd be abnormal if, we, if our faith was not tested. And you know why that's true? That's true because God's grace doesn't work by magic. God says for us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling because he's at work in us. So it's a way that God grows us and causes us to exhibit Christ-like 
qualities become, to become more like Jesus. We do that by maintaining trust in his promises. And so uh, Paul has talked about, is talking about several uh, qualities, several transformations that occur. And the first one, as we've already mentioned, is endurance. <clears throat> Another word for that, of course, is perseverance. And we all know what that is. It, it means sticking with it, hanging in there, not giving up. So if something happens in your life that's hard or painful or frustrating or disappointing, and by grace your faith looks to, looks to Jesus, and you look to his power and his sufficiency and his wisdom, and you don't give up, and you don't become bitter or resentful or complaining. Think of the Israelites out in the wilderness and all their complaining. If we don't become like that, but we maintain our trust and we look to Christ in faith, what happens? Our faith becomes stronger, does it not? That's one of the reasons for tests in our lives. Our faith becomes stronger. And you know, James says something very similar in his letter. Uh, in, in the very first chapter, the first couple of verses, it says, Count it all joy my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So again, we see in verse 3 that endurance is the first of these qualities that make us into people who can rejoice in tribulations. The second one is character. He says in verse 4, endurance produces character. And I like the way the New American Standard puts it. It, it adds the word proven. It says endurance produces proven character. When you go through a tribulation and your faith is tested and your faith perseveres, what you get is a wonderful sense of being authentic. Right? We get, you get that wonderful sense of being authentic. It gives you concrete evidence that your faith is real. Why? It's, proven to be, it's been proven to be real. It's been tested and has withstood the test with endurance and therefore you, you have confidence that your faith is, is genuine. It's authentic. The third quality that follows endurance and proven character at the end of verse 4 is hope. Character produces hope. Well, how does proven character bring about hope? Well, when our faith has been tested and persevered and has proven to be genuine, then we know we're a real and not a fake Christian. It gives us hope that we really are a child of God and will inherit this future glory. In other words, one of the great obstacles to a full and strong hope in the glory of God is the fear and the doubt that can creep into our lives that we're hypocrites. I don't know about you, but that happens to me sometimes, you know. That can creep in, and God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. So one of the purposes of trials in our lives is to give us victory over those fears and make us full of hope and confidence that we really are children of God. And that brings us to the fourth and final of these Christ-like transformation qualities. Verse 5 tells us that this hope that has, been proven, that has proven genuine because our faith has been tested and has persevered, that does not put us to shame. Or I prefer to say it does not disappoint us. Well, why not? Well, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that at verse 5? God gives the, Holy, the experience of His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And this helps us know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what he's going to go on to say at the end of chapter 8. Nothing can separate us 
from God's love. So God is proving his intention to complete his work in us. And notice that when we trust God through a period of suffering, how is God's love through the Holy Spirit given to us? Is it given in a trickle? No, it says it, he pours it in. It comes in as a flood. Praise the Lord for that. So let me ask now, I, start, I have the praise team in my notes, but let me ask Whitney, and <laughs> it's not a full, full team this morning. Let me ask a chance in Whitney to begin making your way back up on stage. And uh, let me conclude by, by saying this. Um, if you're a justified sinner here this morning, rejoice in the peace and the grace and the hope in which you stand. God really means for you to have, us to have, assurance that we're going to inherit His glory and live forever in His presence with unbroken joy. The truth of verse 5 is that God gives us this assurance through the Holy Spirit. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to communicate God's love to us and to help us love God back. So Christians, let us rejoice in what Jesus has delivered us from and be ready to experience testing in our lives knowing that we'll look more like Christ as we persevere, endure, uh, have proven character and so forth uh, as we work through these, this testing to have faith in Him, and that too can lead to great joy in our lives. If, however, you might be here this morning and you're not sure you're justified by faith, you're not sure you have peace with God, and that you may still be under God's condemnation and judgment, well, we'd sure love to talk with you about that. Uh, Jim, Caleb, me, Wes is over in, in uh, extended session, as I meant. One of, our, one of our members, you might be sitting beside one of our members, uh, ask them, or come, come find us after the service. We would love to tell you about how Jesus Christ is the agent of reconciliation with God and how faith in Him can restore you to a right relationship with Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, what great truths these are from Your Word. Lord, that you, that you love us, that You see us as we are, and yet through faith in Jesus you justify us. You think of us as being people who have never sinned. What a glorious thing that is. And Father, you therefore uh, give us tests and tribulations in our life to grow us, to refine us, so that we come to look more like Jesus, which is your ultimate desire for us. So Lord, help us to be people who uh, have an inexpressible joy in the salvation that you have given and learn also to rejoice and even boast about our tribulations. May they be testimonies that we might can share one with another of how, of how you have given us endurance, proven character, uh, hope, uh, knowing that the Holy Spirit uh, has, has helped us to respond and to love you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.